0: We hear a lot about what we could do about hate and
1: violence, but to me, it still comes back to politics. Welcome to the Ronin Project podcast, a show about Asian Americans in politics, rocking the boat, breaking the rules, and taking on the big fights. I'm your host, Bill Wong. Buckle up. It's time for Ronins to Roll Program. Hello, Ronin Nation. I've got an incredible podcast for you today, somebody that I've worked with for many, many years and who I admire tremendously. This conversation today is with Ron Wong. He's the CEO of an award-winning political and public affairs consultancy and the executive producer of a new documentary about racism and the Asian American political experience. Thanks for coming on the show, Ron. It's been wonderful working with you on so many different projects. Can you tell us a little bit about your documentary that you've produced and what inspired you to do it?
0: Well, thank you, Bill. It's really a pleasure to be here as always. We've been partners and brothers in this fight for AAPI empowerment and our rightful place at the table. And I feel that this story In the documentary, it's a personal story, and one that I know you can relate to. You're in the film, obviously. you got some great quotes in there. The film is really based on my experiences in politics, and I got involved in politics in 1985. That was my first foray, and I worked on Judy Chu's campaign for Garvey School Board. The people you'll see in this film are largely friends of mine, people I've worked with. in Politics over the last 35-odd years there was a growing frustration that i had number 1 starting with john chung's race for governor because i knew that he was a great man one deserving to be governor but in my heart of hearts although i supported him early on and throughout the race i knew that it was going to be extremely difficult for him to win that race he had been a great public servant and still is had done everything that deserving to be the governor but in politics i knew that Being worthy of it and deserving are not part of the equation, especially when you draw a candidate like Gavin Newsom, you know, because I've worked a lot in politics and tried to help Asian Americans in office. When you draw a candidate who comes out of central casting, that looks the part. And obviously, he's a very gifted man politically and blessed with great looks and height. That helps you. And the stereotypes that people have of Asians as leaders, uh, particularly Asian men, don't work in our favor. So that's what we really wanted to unpack. When Trump started to throw gasoline on race relations and really attacking China, attacking immigrants in the way he was, I felt we needed to pivot the film. And then when we saw this epidemic of hate and we saw that Asian Americans were gonna be stereotyped and victimized because we are the perpetual foreigner, then we pivoted into the current film, The Race Epidemic. But most of all the discussions, most of all the quotes and the people featured in it were talking about the original script, which was, what are the chances of an Asian American running for governor? So then we wanted to unpack things like historical racism. We wanted to unpack things like bias, implicit bias, white privilege. But all of those came into clear view. Our general community was surprised. Oh my God, we're victims of hate. You knew, I knew, people have been involved in politics knew. It was right around the corner when you heard people calling it the China virus. We knew as asian Americans and it didn't matter if you're a Chinese-American, Japanese, Filipino-American, anything. We're all going to be stereotyped. We're all going to be victimized. And we see that today. And hate crimes have never been higher against Asian-Americans. The attorney general put out a report. I think they said 177% increase in one year. It's not going away. And people want to blame someone for being cooped up in this coronavirus situation that we're in. So they're going to blame Asian-Americans, which is ridiculous.
1: One of the things you touch in your documentary is this perception that Asian-Americans don't have leadership qualities. And how do you think we overcome that despite all of the academic accomplishments, business accomplishments, life accomplishments of many, many Asian American candidates that are out there, there's still this perception barrier. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think we have to force it. I think you articulated it well in the film and others have as well is that there's a warrior mindset that's part of our culture, as it is with most cultures, right? It's not that we're not leaders. Obviously, some of the greatest leaders in world history and one of the longest standing civilizations are in the Asian region of this world. But it's the perception. And we have to first acknowledge what those perceptions are and why those perceptions are put on us. The majority population will demonize those that try to take power from them. So that's the first thing. You have to take power. Nobody gives it to you. Those that have it are going to, you know, it's like a schoolyard fight. They're going to talk shit. They're going to bully. They're going to make you feel less than to weaken you, to weaken your spirit, and. We have to fight against that by showing that we can and not backing down. Not just with elected officials, but people who've played your role in staff. You have to stand up and you have to be willing to be the person who takes the shot and challenges those perceptions. It's not easy because it's like the quiet voice among the room full of bullies. I mean, we have to understand that that's what folks will do to us. Not folks, but people that want to maintain power. They're going to dehumanize you. So, What are the things that stick to Asian Americans? Oh, they're foreigners. They're not loyal. They can't lead. How do we turn those things in our favor and withstand the kind of hits we're gonna take? Because one, acknowledge and be ready for it. And don't go into this (laughs) Pollyanna-ish.
1: I think one of the most interesting aspects and one of the things I admire most about you is that you set up this Asian Pacific American Leadership Foundation to provide specific programming for Asian Americans who want to run for office. Now, I've been to a lot of these workshops and conferences put on by other organizations, but what makes your work unique is that your programming is very blunt, it's very practical, it's very operational and built to suit the world of politics. I think that there's a lot of programs out there that are built upon the fantasy of politics, but your program is built on the reality of politics. And you've produced a tremendous amount of Asian-American candidates and helped build that bench. Now, what was your thinking behind the establishment of it? And what is your long-term goal for that effort? We've
0: talked about this over our long course in politics is that when you sit where we sit, where people want to run for office, And they have no clue or no idea what it would take. But I'm sure you've had hundreds of those conversations where you walk out of there shaking your head. And as someone who's committed to getting more Asian elected, we could continue to shake our head, walk out of that room, be frustrated. And these candidates are going to go forward, whether we talk them out of it or not. And that's not a good thing. So a lot of programs, especially dedicated to underrepresented groups, want to encourage people to run, which I think is great. But we want to discourage people to run because you have to have eyes wide open. You got to know you're not going to make a lot of money. If you're in this to make money or stature, you will end up in jail. And that's one of the trainings. And if you look at the people with orange jumpsuits and the most egregious cases, they're Asian, whether it's Senator Leland Year is cohorts or the supervisor Ed Jew that was his protege, caught with cash in his house. I mean, they were trying to make money. It makes me sicken when I hear about Manafort and Trump and all these people that were lining their pockets through politics. So there'll be some that say, well, we're just playing the game. Well, there are laws that govern this game, and there are U.S. attorneys that prosecute these laws. You have to be ready to play by the rules. And knowing that we're minorities, I'm not saying there's selective prosecution involved here, but you just better be really careful because you don't have the ability to get pardoned like Bannon. But (laughs) the, the point is, is that we're not trying to encourage people necessarily. You have to know this is a sacrifice. It's public service at the end of the day. If you want people to rally behind you and not be just because of your ego, you have to be a stand-up person that's ready and willing to be an instrument of your principles and those that are behind you. So let's tick off the list of why you shouldn't run. <laughs> One, you won't make a lot of money. Two, if you try to make money and break the rules, you'll end up in jail. Three, you will damage your personal life and your married life. Four, whatever ills or vices you have will get magnified. So if you drink a lot, you will drink more. If you womanize, you will be in trouble. All of the vices you have will get magnified and you're going to operate in a glass environment, both that you'll be seen and people will throw rocks at you and try to break that glass. So what's the upside? Well, the upsides are, If your ego demands it and you want to do good and you do it in the right way, those are the rules that are given to us, right? So we want people to go in eyes wide open. And when you go in eyes wide open, then you're willing to fight and you're willing to do the right thing and you make your job and my job easier because you don't have all these horrible candidates. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what this was about to weed out horrible candidates and put the best in our community forward and get them ready. It's almost like training someone to box or training someone to fight. You're not going to just say good into the ring. So I thought, you know, with other people, you included, that we would come together and give people a realistic view. And we call it a boot camp training because we want to make it what it is. You have to take power. And to take power, you have to be willing to fight
1: for it. A lot of the candidates think it's going to be a spelling bee. When in fact it's a knife fight, they're walking into basically what we would consider the wood chipper. Uh, So you have to be really mission driven. And I think that it's important for people to understand that. I think that there's a difference between the Asian Americans who want to run for office to do good work and the ones that want to run for office because it's another thing to put on the resume in order to uh, burnish their status. Some people see it as a hobby, but you and I have seen candidates that have been so transformative for the community and standing up for what the community needs. One of the things that I think is particularly breathtaking about the success of what you do and how important this is, is you just have to look at what's going on in Washington, D.C. When I see the Congressional Asian Pacific Caucus, many of whom you've helped get elect sit at the table with the President of the United States, signing legislation, moving hundreds of millions of dollars into the Asian American community to prevent hate crimes and to start the establishment of a national Asian American museum that will be a Smithsonian museum in the capital of the nation is so impactful. And they did not get there easily they all had fights getting there. They all have fights to stay there. And that's why it's so important for us to play our roles is so that they can do their job.
0: Absolutely. And and you were the chief of staff to Judy Chu, and she's been very consistent in her career, willing to fight, willing to do what it takes and always put what's the best interest of our community forward. You've had the ability to advise some of the best in our community at the highest level. So thank you, Bill.
1: No, Thank you. So what do you want to do with the Asian Pacific American Leadership Foundation? I mean, what is the grand vision of it?
0: We wanted to have a presence and have an impact in California because that's where we all live. That's where we nurture the candidates. That's where there's a lot of infrastructure. We're not Hawaii because we're not in the majority. So we had to build something. And so we focused primarily in California, but now I think we're ready to go national. And if you look at what the models are. Nileo presents the best example of success. That's what we feel we need to do is take what we've done here in California and give it a national platform, bring Asian Americans together and at a minimum create a network for them to not only learn about each other but learn from each other. There's only a small number of you in Congress or in your state house. How do you leverage a national network? How do you get people talking to each other? How do you build a national fundraising base? Or maybe there's legislation around hate, around a whole host of issues that we could have model legislation. But the model is there in terms of how to do it through NALEO, through different women's groups, through the National Women's Caucus. Black Congressional Caucus plays an important role. And they've done this for decades. You know, when you look around, the Asian community doesn't have one yet, which is kind of shocking in 2022 that we don't have a national organization to the extent that Nileo functioned. I was invited when Rob Bonta invited me when he was chair of the API caucus here in California. Senator Padilla was chair of Nileo to go to their convention. This was five, six years ago. And they had Hillary Clinton there. They had to close down Circus Soleil. They had two separate shows. They had 2,000 people, two or 3,000 people there. They had sponsors, and Coke was a sponsor of something, so they had to have a Pepsi reception in separate rooms. I mean their budget i think is seven to eight million dollars a year to do great work to foster leadership in the latino community we don't have that so we're going to have to build that brick by brick but i think what we've done in california is a good model for us to try to replicate and try to build upon
1: and as i talk to candidates all throughout the united states what i do find is, is that they're is this hunger to reach out and to have a network that they don't really know how or where to start? B. Win, who's a Georgia state legislator who's running for secretary of state, is a very dynamic candidate. New York state assemblywoman Newlyn New is running for the United States Congress in a newly drawn congressional district that includes both of New York's Chinatowns. So there are so many exciting candidates and opportunities out there. But as I talked to them, I realized they don't know people who are on the other coast of the United States. And that shouldn't be the case. They should actually be able to reach out to their fellow elected officials and get some support and guidance and any type of thing that they need in order to be successful.
0: Absolutely. And at the most basic level, we should have a national network that great candidates can tap for fundraising that can be used and replenished and grown over and over. And again, we don't have to be geniuses here and put someone on Mars because the models exist, right? When Dukakis was running for president, the, you know, the Greek community across the country anteed up the money. The Jewish community continues to do that in every major election to this day. And that's not a bad thing. Those are the rules that are given to us. Is there a national network of Asian electives that they can leverage and raise money from? No. If we could accomplish that small thing, create a network that people can tap into that could aggregate all little the political money That would be something that's necessary and needed.
1: What I know is is that we have $1 trillion of spending capacity in the Asian American community. And that is disposable income that could be at least in part spent on supporting Asian American candidates running for office throughout the United States and not in huge donations. I personally am a big critic of wealthy Asians because getting money from them is a real pain in the ass whereas I've worked on so many campaigns where we've been able to raise significant money on small dollar donations on recurring donations that I think there's a tremendous opportunity for the regular Asian American who actually gives a shit about stuff can donate 25 50 bucks and have a huge impact on some races that may not be in their backyard but will have impact on the overall scoreboard of Asian American empowerment
0: Right. You know, we talked earlier about creating something beyond yourself, and that goes back to building an infrastructure. When Mike Wu ran for mayor in 93, through the Chinese Family Associations, he was able to raise a fair amount of money that had never been raised from the Chinese-American community nationally. You know, that has never been replicated. They were able to build a network. Mike Wu was traveling around the country to different family associations. His father was very active in them. That, to most extent, has not been replicated or recreated. Are the Chinese Family Associations a network? They may be in Boston. I don't know. Michelle Wu, she comes out to the West Coast once in a while, but she... she... She needs a national platform. The people on our side of the country need to tap into what's going on there. So at the most fundamental level, this is pretty basic and doesn't exist within our community, which to me is shocking.
1: To that point, one of the things that I was thinking about, not only to get Asian Americans elected, but there should be infrastructure to support Asian Americans as they govern. After Michelle Wu got elected to mayor, she was under intense attacks in opposition to her policies. And I was thinking, how great would it be if there was a 501c4 advocacy organization or a 527 committee out there that had significant resources to go in and give her some cover fire so that she can execute her plan and be successful as a mayor and then grow her political career as being somebody who can get stuff done with the help of people trying to deflect the attacks from opponents, by competitors, by special interests that wanna tear her down. Other communities have that infrastructure. We don't have that same infrastructure in the Asian-American community. And I think that's definitely something that we should build.
0: Absolutely. Time is of the essence, right? Because as we aspire and win these offices, like in Michelle's case, just the thought of that is phenomenal, especially Boston that has its history of racism and, and her personal story, and that she would get under attack is predictable. What is also predictable is the necessity for a group as you've articulated, that could come to her aid. The Jewish community certainly has it. The African-American community has it in droves. If there is some, a candidate or a person, you would see a Reverend Jackson or Al Sharpton there the next day getting national attention on the issue. We don't have that. We're certainly capable of building it. It's just the will and the support from our own folks because outsiders ain't going to build it.
1: <laughs> exactly. I guess the good news is that we're not dead yet. So maybe yeah. we've got a few years to like get this off the ground. This would be, this would be one of those heists, like the escape from Alcatraz or, or, or whatever. I'm
0: getting, I'm getting, uh, um, I don't want to say sticker shock, but just like, Oh my God, there's so much to do. Right. And uh, we, we're going to, we have, we have to mentor younger people to do this, right. To pick up this fight. And I think that's another opportunity in the film. There, there's a lot of, People that are, you know, you and I got, we were, we got involved in politics. I know we were concerned about it in our teenage years, right? I mean, the first campaign we did where we were teenagers, we're knocking on 60. <laughs> there are younger people that are waking up now. And some of those quote unquote younger people are in their thirties, in their twenties that have resources now because they were entrepreneurs, because there were other folks that made money, professionals that are looking at the hate that are getting activated. We have to capture that energy that money, that, those resources, what those folks want to do. It's not just about getting a meme out or liking some celebrity because they decried hate or brought some attention to something. It's about hand-to-hand combat and putting our resources where our mouth is and working collectively.
1: Also, it's about long game. It's about establishing a permanent infrastructure so that when bad things happen to the community, we're not scrambling to try to respond to it. We have things that are immediately ready. It's very much like how the Jewish community has the Anti-Defamation League. They've got this strong network of people all over the United States that are prepared to respond to any crisis that affects their community and we have to invest in that type of infrastructure, political infrastructure, so that we can get to the highest offices in the land to have our voices heard and to have decisions made to respond to the things that are affecting our community in a very quick manner. I think that the Asian American hate stuff showed exactly how undeveloped our infrastructure is.
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of work to do there, but this is like an infusion of troops, potentially. A lot of people who are rising up and they want to be pointed in the right direction. And so I also see the film as a starting point of that, like understanding our own history, understanding that this is going to repeat, understanding that when Michelle went under attack, she's just a long list of other candidates who faced attack. When Judy Chu was, you know, she sustained so many attacks, she could write a book just on that subject, and she probably should, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for people who want to see the documentary, The Race Epidemic, are you going to go on tour? Is it going to be streaming anywhere? How do people find out more about the documentary and support it?
0: We're going on tour. We're launching a national tour at the end of the summer. We're still planning an event in Los Angeles. We have a PBS distribution that will coincide with this in the fall. It's kind of like we're on the PBS platform. So they select a few hundred films that go onto their platform, kind of like the fall lineup, and we're among them. So we'll be at a city throughout this country. But really, it's beyond this film, as you've mentioned. It's not just the one-off. It's not just like doing a meme. We're developing a whole training curriculum. We want to build out that National Association of Asian Elected Officials, where we can go in and try to like help people get energized and pointed in the right direction of their activism. If they don't want to run for office, then... They could be a planning commissioner, or you could volunteer, or you could donate $10 and get your friends to donate $10. All of those things are we're still working on trying to build out, as you mentioned, something that will be long-term and sustaining So we've developed curriculum around the film to train folks and meet people where we're at. So that's part of our launch when we go to these different cities. So there'll be PBS and there'll be us at local cities. And then if we have the resources, we'll continue this as long as we
1: can. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put all of this stuff in the show notes, the website, uh, background, links to Imprinted Communications so that our listeners can be able to follow you and also see the work that you've done. That's it for today. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Ronin Project podcast. Best of luck to you this election cycle. Thank you. Thanks for listening in, Ronin Nation. If you are inspired by the exploits of the amazing Asian American badasses on the Ronin Project podcast and want to find out how you can learn more about politics or help Asian American candidates, click on the link in the show notes to join the Ronin Nation's national progressive movement to inspire, organize, and empower Asian Americans. Until next time, Ronin's Roll Program.